0: Let's pray, Father, we love you and I need you right now. Father, I believe with all my heart that this message that you placed on my heart is a special one. And it is one that has been ordained by you from the beginning of time. And so, Father, with that, I need your help to share what you want me to share the way you want me to share it. Anoint my words. I love you and I thank you for your help in Jesus name. Amen. We're going to be on week 3 of us of our on fighting out of this corner series. Our text is going to be in Mark chapter 5 and we're going to be looking at that Scripture, what we're going to be talking about as we go into the, the text this morning is the idea of uh, the two battling factions in our world that are in our in our minds that we're dealing with today is accepted versus rejected. Accepted versus rejected. And we're going to be in Mark, the fifth chapter. We're going to start with basically... Verse number 24, and it says this. It says, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Let's continue on with verse number 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched me, or who touched my robe? His disciples asked him, 'Uh, look at the crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Acceptance worth versus rejection. I believe this is things that we've all dealt with. These are things that we all go through. These are things that we constantly will battle in our own minds. And if we cannot understand this, this is going to be a battle that can destroy us from the inside out. This is something that can affect us in so many areas. And the thing that's kind of frightening about it is we can sometimes miss that it's affecting us in the way that it is. But the first thing I want to look at, as we look at this story, and many of you have heard this story before, it's, it's about a woman who basically has an issue of blood. That's what I remember hearing when I was a kid. And basically what the problem is, is this woman is having problems with her menstrual cycle. Now you would go, well that's terrible, that's not good, but it, for her it meant something much greater because of the time and the world that she lived in. We're going to talk about that to begin with. First thing I want to talk about this morning is the pain of the woman's rejection. Let's look at Mark, the fifth chapter, it says this, a woman in the crowd had suffered for twelve years ...with constant bleeding. Now, what this obviously is dealing with, again, is her menstrual cycle. This is a problem. This is not pleasant. This is not good. But then there's something you need to understand a little bit more. As we look in Leviticus, we see something that shows a little bit of a deeper level of this woman's rejection. This is what God has said to his people in Leviticus. It says, whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Okay? Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. And then we go to 20. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. Now let's jump to verse 25. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days, that is unrelated to her menstrual period. Again, this is more talking about specifically this woman. Or if the bleeding continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. So this woman is dealing with some major legal rejection here. She's rejected from society. She's rejected from her family. She cannot go to church. She has no contact with anyone. If she has contact with them, they become unclean. There is some theological debate about if this was a situation where the woman had to do something similar to what a leopard would have to do. That when they would walk into a crowd, they would literally have to yell, unclean, unclean, because they couldn't touch anybody. Because if they did, they would become unclean. This woman for 12 years has suffered with this. She has been rejected out of society. She's been rejected out of everything. She cannot touch someone with the fear that if she does, she's going to make them unclean. I dare say this woman probably also dealt with the rejection of feeling like God had rejected her. You ever been there? I mean, it's one thing to be rejected by human beings. That's not fun, that's not easy, that's not a wonderful moment. But to think that maybe I can just see this woman going, for 12 years I've suffered with this, for 12 years I've dealt with this. God, why won't you do this? There's a lot of pain in there. Now let me stop you and let me help you with something before we go on. You at times may feel that God has rejected you, but God has not rejected you. Now, God won't always do what you want, when you want, how you want. But that's not God rejecting you. I'm just telling you how we normally feel. I'm just telling you how we normally go through these things. And so she's dealing with an unbelievable amount of pain she is hurting she's feeling rejected you ever had that moment i remember as a kid one of the scariest things i ever had to do was and maybe you've done this if you're a guy maybe you've done this if you're a girl this is a little more common nowadays but i remember i was in the eighth grade and i really liked a girl her name was jamie hopper hopefully she's not listening to this one day because she's going to be like oh you're the weirdo okay And I was in eighth grade, and we were going to go to what we called a mixer, which was basically a really fancy word to say a bunch of kids got together and stared at each other in a gym. Okay, you remember those? Okay, it's like, they didn't call them a dance because there was no dancing. It was just like, the girls over this side, boys over this side, and we just stare at each other. And I liked Jamie. And I was going to say, Jamie, do you want to go with me to this mixer? But I was so afraid. You know what I was so afraid of? I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid that she'd look at me and say, uh, no. And you know what we do? We make rejection so much bigger than it is. I wasn't just afraid that she was going to say no. I was afraid she was going to look at me and say, I think I would rather go with anyone else on this planet besides you. Rejection can skew our mind in such funny ways. And we've got to figure this out. Because if we don't, it's going to affect everything. And I missed out going to my mixer with Jamie because I was so afraid of rejection. And I missed out on what was coming to me. Because I missed the understanding that rejection can paralyze us. It can keep us from experiencing things. And the pain associated with it is a great pain. Number two, the second thing. The woman's unsuccessful attempts to fix her situation. Let's look at Mark again. She suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten Worse, when we deal with rejection, whether it be from a parent or a loved one or a friend or a teacher or a pastor or, or anyone else in our world, whether we think it's God, we begin to try to fix us. We begin to try to do things to fix things. And that's exactly what this woman did. She started to go to doctors and she started to try to figure out how they could help her. And, and I even looked this week as I was putting this together, you know, in some, some material that I found but basically talked about all these basically snake oil things that people during this time would do to try to help somebody that was suffering in this area. And I mean, and some of the stuff was crazy. But she would go and she would do it because she desired that accepted so bad. Remember, she didn't have anything to do with anybody. And so she would go to these doctors and she would spend all her money. And, you know, as I was thinking about this this week, I was like, man, you know, we do the same thing. Our doctors just have different names. As we try to get that rejection removed and try to move into acceptance and, and love, we, we, we try all sorts of different doctors. Some of our doctors' names is Doctor Success. If I can just have enough success, then I will be okay. Then this hole inside of me will be filled. Sometimes it's, it's Doctor uh, Significant Other. It's it's if I could just find the one. Or it's Dr. Dr. Job. Or Dr. Busy. Or Dr. Hobby. Or Dr. Religion. And so we will look and we will try to find listen to me hear me out on this you can go to all the doctors you want and try to take that rejection that you feel and have get that acceptance that you crave and that you need but i promise you it will only cost you more than you think it will and it will not fix the problem it will only make it worse it will only make it worse just like this woman She went to the doctors. She spent everything she had to try to get there. Now, I want to stop real quick. And I probably should have done this at the beginning, but better late than never, okay? I know the things that God has laid on my heart to speak on this morning. Some of this stuff is pretty deep. And I don't mean deep as in like depth. I'm talking like it's been buried in your heart for a long, long, long time. And it is never easy and it is never fun to dig up stuff that's been buried. But the reason we want to dig it up this morning is because I truly believe God wants to heal you. I truly believe that this is about something that is so amazing and so life-transforming that I'm, I'm willing to dig it up. Now, you don't have to, okay? But just so you know, as God placed this on my heart a while ago, I really felt like God was saying, listen, anybody who wants to get healing can get it today. And it doesn't matter if this rejection took place yesterday or 50 years ago. But you've gone to doctors and it just hasn't been right. It just hasn't gotten better. And in those moments, we have to understand that maybe, maybe we're going to the wrong doctors. Maybe we have to get to a place that is what God would want instead of how we think we can fix it. We like to fix ourselves, and the problem is some of these things we can't fix. God is the only one that can truly fix these things deep inside of us, and we've got to understand that number three the woman's pursuit of true acceptance and healing. look what happens and this is beautiful this is you've got to catch this and she heard about Jesus, I want you to stop right there. How does one hear about someone else? This is deep. This is tough. How does someone hear about something else? Someone else talks. Now, I want you to stop there for a second. Because there's this thought in church, and it's not a bad thought, but just go with me here for a second, that I'm just going to go live my life Out in public, and that's going to be enough. And listen, listen, our actions need to basically back up our words. But they aren't going to hear unless we talk. Unless we speak. Unless we are willing to do that. Someone, somewhere, we don't know who they are, but God knows who they are, was speaking about Jesus. And she heard. She heard about Jesus. And because she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him through the crowd. Now, I want to stop there for a second. She, at this particular moment, as she is walking through a crowd, is breaking the law. She is doing everything she shouldn't do. But her pursuit of Jesus, listen, I pray for you, I love you, I care about you. But at some point in time, you've got to understand this. I cannot pursue Jesus for you. I can't. And you know what? I wish I could. I wish that I could. I wish that I could just somehow get inside of you and and control you. And and that sounds weird and strange. And I I bet there's times when you probably wish you could get inside of me and control me. But I can't pursue Jesus for you. But this woman didn't care anymore. This woman, in her desire, in her pursuit for healing, in pursuit of acceptance, basically said, I don't care what the law is. I don't care that I'm not supposed to be here. I'm going to sneak through. And so she does. She hears about Jesus and she thinks, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. So she goes through the crowd, breaking the law, doing everything she shouldn't do. And immediately the bleeding stops. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Now I want you to stop I'm going to think about something for a second. Now, think, about her, think about this for a second. She thinks something that is true and something that is false. She thinks in her mind, if I can just touch the robe of his garment, I'll be healed. We don't see Jesus healing in this way. But yet Jesus loves her faith and loves the fact that she's just thinking, if I can just Get a hold of him. Everything will be changed. If you go back in the original Greek and you look at this idea of touch, it really symbolizes this idea of clutching. I love that picture. She's thinking to herself, if I can just grab a hold of Jesus and not let go, everything will change. And it says immediately. Mark's gospel talks a lot about immediately, and I love that. She's thinking, if I can just clutch, yeah, I, listen, I know I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not doing it perfectly. I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know necessarily that, that, that you know a lot of things I read this week was talking about. She probably had some strange, weird superstitions that just thought, if I can just touch his garment, then something would change in me. And yet Jesus honors her faith and honors her desire. And so she reaches out, she clutches a hold. And there's a transfer of power and authority that comes from Jesus and goes into her body and immediately everything changes. Listen, I know this is going to sound weird, but I think you can go with me. I think you understand what I'm trying to say here. Are you willing to break the law to get to Jesus? And I'm not saying that Jesus is saying, let's go out and rob the 7-Eleven. But she was willing to do anything. She was desperate. You know one of the issues I have with the church? There's not enough desperation. One of the greatest things that the enemy has ever done to the church has put apathy in it. We're comfortable. There's no desperation. I was watching a documentary this week because that's what I do. Because I'm weird. And it was on the Battle of Dunkirk. And if you don't know, Dunkirk is in World War II where the British are trapped on the beaches and they have the sea behind them and the Germans are just pounding the beaches with, with planes and artillery and it's just, it's not a good situation. And there was a veteran who was there, a British guy, and he made this comment, there was not a single atheist on that beach. You know why? Desperation. Because when there's nowhere else to turn, unfortunately we turn to Jesus. Listen, and that's great, and that's awesome. But but wouldn't it be more awesome if we ran to Jesus when everything was going well? When everything was great? When we hadn't suffered for 12 years? And look, don't misunderstand me. If you've been suffering for 12 years, let's run to Jesus. Okay? Okay? But let's also run to him when everything's going great. Let's run to him when everything is going awesome. Let's run to him because we understand true acceptance, true healing, doesn't come from doctors, doesn't come from stuff. It comes from him. And that's what we need. And that's what we desire. And finally, number four. Let's look at the reaction of Jesus. Mark 5 says but he kept on looking around to see who had done it then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell at his knees in front of him and he told her and he told and she and told him what she had done and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace your suffering is over this really does boil down to a singular question that has kind of been rattling around in the hearts of mankind ever since the fall in the garden At least I think. And it's quite simply this. How does a holy God respond when sinful, dirty, shameful, rebellious people fall at his feet? I I have to believe there are probably people that struggle with that so much that they miss the opportunity to be with Jesus. And what's interesting about this story here is is the woman's response. She's frightened. She's trembling. Why? Why is she frightened? Why is she trembling? Because she knows she broke the law. She knows she did wrong. She understands that what she did was the wrong thing. How many people did she touch in the crowd? This is not a situation where everybody has a good arm's length away from each other. We know that because when Jesus is touched, the disciples look at him and go, What do you mean? People are all around you. This woman has snuck in. I got to believe this town's not that big. They knew who she was. I I bet she covered her face and she snuck in. And then she's found out. You know, she's thinking, Oh, I can just go and I can get healing and then I can go and run away. And Jesus stops and he goes, wait a minute, who touched me? And so she's afraid. She's afraid. Listen, I think that sometimes we deal with this. We mess up, we we, we, we sin, we do the things that we know we shouldn't do. And then we become afraid to fall at Jesus' feet because how is he going to respond? Because remember, this is the rabbi. This is the teacher. He's clean. You didn't want to make the rabbi unclean, folks. And now because she has touched him, he's supposedly unclean. I got to believe that she's probably thinking, oh boy, he's going to yell at me. He's going to be mad at me. He's going to say, how could you? I can't believe you did that. It's what's wrong with you. Don't you know the rules? Don't you know the law? Don't you know what you're supposed to be doing? And so she trembles at his feet. and he said to her so here it is folks and this is not just a woman several thousand years ago this is how jesus responds to anyone and everyone who is dirty who is messed up who is not doing the things that they should and he said to her daughter now i know It's 2018, and I know most of us have our Bible on our phone. But if you have one of these or if you have an app where you can underline stuff, can you do me a favor? Whatever you got, and if you say, I don't have it, do it at home. Whatever you use, circle, underline, highlight, whatever you got to do, daughter. Okay? Because as you look and as you study of how Jesus said this, it was basically Jesus saying, daughter, sweetheart. It was not. Sometimes, you know, I'll get upset. I'll just, you know, I didn't know I was going to say this, but because I was kind of ashamed of it. But sometimes when I get upset with Easton, I'll go, son, this is not what he said. This is not daughter. This is. Daughter, precious, sweetheart. You know, I, servanthood's a big thing, guys. It's important. And I remember there was a time in my life where if somebody asked me, what I, I just want to serve God. I just want to be a servant of God. That's, I just want to, serve, I want to serve Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. And you know what? That's a beautiful thing. But something changed in me when God said, you know, Aaron, I love that you're a servant. That's a good thing. But first, you're a son. First, you're a daughter. And you're accepted. You're accepted. You remember the story of the prodigal? What's he want to do? He wants to go home and be a servant. What does the father say? Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Robe around him for my son who is dead is alive again. Jesus responds to you. He responds to me with daughter, with son. And we have got to grab a hold of that. We have got to get to a place. Because the thing is, we all want to be accepted. Rejection hurts. Rejection is hard. Rejection is something that we deal with in many different forms, in many different ways. And we can try to get that acceptance through other people or stuff or things. Or we can go to the God who loves us, who wraps his arms around us and says, Son, daughter. You realize in the scriptures, this is the only time that Jesus responds to someone this way. In this story, he doesn't say servant of the most high. He doesn't say woman, even though that's what we get her name as at the very beginning. That's how we remember her. Wouldn't it be great if we changed our mindset? And instead of when we talked about this story, instead of saying, oh, this is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We said, this is the story about the daughter of Jesus. Because here's the thing you got to understand. You call someone daughter? I, I don't have a daughter, okay? I can't call some. I can't go to, to Lindsay Ogbert and say, hello, daughter. That's not my place. Why? Because I'm not her father. He uses these terms because he wants you to understand who he is and who he, you are. And that you're accepted. And that you are loved. And that you are welcomed into the family of God. Is that easy? Sometimes it isn't easy to, to understand. But at the same time, it's true that Jesus has come and said, You are my son, you are my daughter, and I am your father. And maybe some of us have not had the best examples of fatherhood. Maybe we our fathers did things that they shouldn't have, or 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 didn't love us, or were absent, or whatever it may be. Please understand, God is the perfect father. And he's accepted you just the way you are. She came trembling. She came afraid. She came thinking, he's going to yell at me. He's going to be upset with me. And instead, Jesus wraps his arms around her, calls her daughter, and says, go in peace. You see, what's so beautiful about Jesus is what he can do and what he does in our lives. Think of it this way. Some of you have had children, some of you don't, but you know this concept. It's very simple. I remember when I was even a kid, I would go to the doctor's office, and inside the doctor's office there was play areas, okay. And in one side was the well children's play area, and over here was the sick children's play area, okay. Now I don't know, maybe my mom and dad had were not onto something. I don't know, but there was never a time, never a moment. Where my mom and dad said, Uh oh, Aaron's sick, we should go to the doctor. And they took me to the doctor, not to see the doctor, but to simply put me into the well child's play area, hoping that their wellness will rub off on me. Now, listen, it, we don't do that here. Just so you know, if you have a sick kid, please don't bring him to church and get everybody else sick. Why? Because the sickness rubs off on the well, the well does not rub off on the sickness. That's simple and it's easy. And in this woman's mind, in the way of the law, in the way of the Old Testament situation, she is thinking, I in my uncleanliness, me in my rejection and my shame, have touched the clean thing, touched God, and now I have made him clean. The beautiful thing about Jesus is it doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. It doesn't matter how shame you have. It doesn't matter what you have done. When you come as a dirty thing and as an unclean thing and as a rejected thing and you touch Jesus, you become clean too. It's why you don't have to get yourself all fixed up and all prettied up, spiritually speaking, to go into Jesus' presence. You see, Jesus, in his cleanliness and in his perfection, touches us and makes us accepted and whole and healed. So this idea or this thought, I'm going to get myself figured out. I'm going to get all my stuff put in order is just not the way it works. You come just the way you are. And when you do, you will be accepted and you will be loved. And you will be have God's arms thrown around you. And he'll say, son, daughter. If the worship team would come on back up, we're going to close. I said earlier that this message is going to probably cause some, some deep stuff to come out. And that's good. Because... I truly believe God wants to do some healing. I truly believe that God wants to bring some people that have lived in a sense of rejection and bring some healing and bring some understanding that you have been accepted by him. And what's so beautiful about it is is God doesn't just want to do that in, in your relationship with him, but he wants to do that in your relationship with others. And you go, Aaron, you know, a long time ago this happened and a long time. Listen, God is greater than any scar or any hurt. And his healing is good. And it's yes and it's amen. And you can sit here this morning and you can play games. One of the things that we talk about in this place is it's okay not to be okay. Why is it okay not to be okay? Because when we deny what's really going on in our hearts, we put up a wall. We put up a wall first and foremost to God. We say, God, I'm good. I don't need it. I'm fine. I can handle it. We put up a wall to each other. There has been times in my life where I would go through something and I was like, God, this is not fun. God, I don't understand. Why do I have to do this? And then three or four years later, I'll have a kid walk into my office and sit down and begin to spill his guts. And I realized, oh my goodness, that's why I went through it. But if he doesn't come to me if he doesn't share those things, we can't work through these things together. And look, I, I understand what that means. That means you're going to have to trust people. That means you're going to have to actually say, you know what? This may be a little scary. This may be a little hard. But if you're desperate enough, you'll break the law to get to Jesus. If you're desperate enough, you'll do whatever it takes. You won't care what everybody else thinks. You won't care about anything besides grabbing a hold of him. So let's do something a little bit different. Can you at all just close your eyes? Because this is a personal thing. But I just truly believe as I was putting this together, I thought about doing this last week, this message, and then it just didn't feel right, and then it was this week. So I just I just feel like this is the week, and that everybody that's here was supposed to be here for this message. And so I just have to ask you a question. Are you dealing with rejection? Are you dealing with deep rejection, deep hurts? maybe maybe it was somebody they trusted or maybe it was a spouse it can be lots of things people can do hurtful things guys and you've been running into a bunch of doctors thinking that it's going to fix it you know what? Some of those things, let's just be honest, It may fix it for a little while, but it's not gonna really, really bring the healing that God has for you. Because I know some of the things that we deal with and they're hard. And you know what? The great physician is here. The great physician is here and he wants to heal you. He wants to immediately take that, that hurt and that shame and that rejection and pull you to Himself and say, You're mine. I accept you. I've got you. If you don't have a dad, He wants to be that dad. If you don't have a mom, in a weird way, He wants to be that person in your life that is there, that is comforting to you. He desires to meet your deepest need and your deepest need is not more money and it's not a bigger house and it's not even physical healing. Your greatest need is a connection with the God who is the lover of your soul. And we spend billions of dollars and and millions of hours trying to find that. And you can continue if you want, but I will tell you with everything in me, it's Jesus. He loves you and he accepts you. And maybe for some of you, because of the things you've done, you feel like you can't go to Jesus. You feel like you're unclean and he's clean and you're going to mess it all up and you don't know what to do. Listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus loves you. He looks at you and he sees his sons and his daughters. And he doesn't say it cruelly. He calls us home to not just serve, but to be children of God. And maybe because of the things you've dealt with, you feel like God's rejected you. He hasn't. There may be things that have happened in your life that I don't understand and you don't understand. But just because you don't understand why things have happened does not mean God has rejected you. God never said you'd understand everything. But he did promise that he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. And that he loves you with an everlasting love that is so huge and so big I just truly want to get this healed in us this day. And I know I've gone over.